Welcome to Playing for the Master, a podcast on theater, faith, culture, and other shenanigans. Okay. Well, this is the... Uh, possibly... Maybe... It's sort of... Official podcast... For Unmuted Arts... And Master Arts Theater. So we have a special guest on the podcast this week. Um, she's going to be teaching a virtual class for Master Arts called Mime for Actors. We'd like to welcome Diana Gustafson. Did I say that right, Diana? Close. Uh, Gustafson is how we say it. Gustafson. Yeah. Well, welcome, Diana. We are so happy to have you here. And you've been kind of a long time part of Master Arts and have done um, lots of different things with us. Um, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. The first thing we want to know is, like, how did you get involved in MIME? What was that like? And, like, why? What was it that made you want to pursue that specific area of art? Sure. Well, um, I had a very close interaction with uh, MIME from an early age. My mother is a MIME. And so I just grew up with it being part of my life. Um, my, it's from... My mom's been practicing mime, I don't know, I think she started when she was a teenager. So it's just has always been a very prominent part of life in our family. So, and I was just always so fascinated by it. I loved watching her do mime. I loved watching her create. I was always asking her to teach me things. So that is how I was introduced to mime through my mom. Now you actually, did some additional training in the art. Am I understanding that correct? Yes. Um, so because of my liking of the art, my mom uh, was always having uh, other people come in and do workshops for um, herself. And um, she also had a mime team that I was part of. Mm -hmm. And that mime team actually functioned out of... Uh, master arts for a time and um they were called silent light and so for extra enrichment and extra education beyond what she could give us she would have these people come in from california and they would do like a two-week or a weekend workshop with us wow yeah and it was really really wonderful so um they really showed me um you know, how they took it to the next level. And they actually started a college out in Pasadena, California. Um, and so after I'd started college, I, you know, gotten associates in a different field, but um, I still felt that strong pull towards the arts and towards mime in particular. So I just finally decided, I'm like, you know what, hey, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go to this college it was a three-year bachelor program. And um, the really neat thing about that was it um, not only focused just on mime, but mime and how you can use that for ministry and how mime can function in the church. And um, just so it covered the, you know, theology behind the art. It covered how do you... Um, proselytize others you know with the art and mm -hmm. just all the different things you can do with it because one 
big thing I think a lot of people, you know, first think of when they hear the word mime, they see, you know, the street mime, you know, which is, you know, definitely a very, you know, it's a stereotype and the stereotype exists for a reason, but that's not all there is to it. So um, there are so many neat things we did out in California for our schooling. Um, we did street mime, we did galas, we did complete mime plays. Mm. We did, um, we led um, a whole church in corporate worship through movement while the music was playing that was part of our training. So um, yeah, it's quite, quite versatile. I remember back in the late 80s, early 90s, it seemed like a lot of churches were doing what they called mime teams. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times it was more like uh, human video type of things than, than yeah. actual mime. Uh, mm -hmm. But it was really prevalent at that time. And it's cool that you brought that up because it kind of leads to our next question. Um, being a mime artist and um, learning about this art and being able to express yourself through it, how has that altered um, your walk as a woman of faith, someone who's following Christ? Um, do you think it's enhanced it or changed it in any way? Oh, absolutely. Um, the, that is one of the things I love about mime. It's another tool to use to tell others about Jesus is how I, and it transcends barriers. <clears throat> mm. It moves people visually. So in ways that, you know, it's just different, you know, it's not that it's better than any one other art or, you know, speaking or anything. It's just enhances it or, you know, is different, it, you know, different arts speak differently to people. And so this is one more, way in which you can use to, you know, tell people about God and what he did for them. I'll be teaching a class or a virtual class online for Master Arts called Mind for Actors. Yes. What are some ways that you think that like mime and principles of mime and that kind of physicality can help someone improve in their area of art if that's dancing or acting or singing or some other um performing arts area? Yeah, um, that's the thing. I think, well, through my education and through just doing mime and theater and dance, I've come to realize that theater, mime, and dance are really more interconnected or related than a lot of us really might understand at first glance. Um, the, the all the basics of mime are actually ballet. You gotta learn all the positions. There's a lot of ballet involved in mime. Um, in theater, you know, you're, you're acting. You're not only acting with your voice, you're acting with your body. That is mime. So whether you're following, you know, the textbook mime techniques or not, is you know might be different but mime essentially is um mimicry of life so um that's what mime seeks to do it seeks to mimic things you see in life 
to portray a story, portray a concept. It doesn't even have to be a human or a live thing that it, you know, mimics. It can be an inanimate object, but something to do in life. So it becomes very useful in theater, um, particularly in creating characters, I think. Yeah. You know, so if you're, you know, a 30 something year old man and you're supposed to be playing a crippled old man, maybe with some kind of ailment, there's a technical way to do that without, um, you know, somebody might just do it, do what they think uh, looks good and without actually seeing it. But there's a, the mime lends a stylization to that. You can do it, have it look good for the audience, still get the point across and not, you know, be turning your back to the audience or muffling your voice or, you know, it still allows you to portray whatever you're trying to do without compromising the acting. So. I'm going to throw a little wrench at you. I know one of the things that um, I, as a director, writer, creative theater person, have mm -hmm. loved to do, and we did this with the singer, which both of you were involved in, is yeah. melding different art forms together. Yeah. Um, where you take acting and music and art and mime and dance, mm -hmm. and you create something, uh, you, like all these little pieces come together and you create something out of the whole. And um, I know just having you and Dawn around with the cast through the rehearsal process before that show changed just people watching you bring these characters to life only through movement. You, you and Dawn didn't have any lines. It was no dialogue whatsoever, but you created these full and rich characters solely out of the way you moved with the story. And I think it made the rest of the cast much more aware of what they were communicating with everything from the neck down, you know? Yeah. And their faces. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say, I think that can be like almost a sort of misconception with acting is that it's all about what you get to say. It, that it's just about what you get to say, but it's more than that. It's what you do and are and show. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the singer, I, I think, think, being a good example of that, there's so many characters that had only a couple lines, but they worked so hard on each and every one of them and how they behave. Mm hmm. And just like by seeing them on stage and how they held themselves and behaved and reacted to things, it strengthened the whole piece. It did, and that's, um, I thoroughly enjoyed being part of that play, I, and that was something I love to watch um, the other actors um, do, is just how much they were acting with their body. It made it a very rich play. So um, I thought it was Yeah, great. especially our, our, um, our extras, our townspeople. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was so. amazing how many comments I got on on how every single actor in the show had a full and rich character. Mm -hmm. And most of them didn't have any lines or very, very few. So they could only convey that 
through their movements and their facial expression. Right. And um, you and Don really brought an extra level of that. And I think that made the whole rest of the cast up their game. Thank you. Um, now you're doing something that's kind of a first for you. And it's a first for us here at Master Arts. Yes. Um, we're doing a mime for actors class. And uh, as far as I know, I mean, we've taught mime in like arts day camp before. Um, but we've never had one that's specifically focused on like the older performer, um, adults, um, teenagers, adults, and also really uh, patterned for them, not just to learn mime, but to learn it and enhance who they are as a performer. Um, and this is also a first for us because it's going to be offered all online. Um, yeah. <laughs> yay quarantine. Um, so tell us a little bit about um, the class, what your what's the class is going to be about, what your hopes are, and what you're hoping to convey to the people who take it. Okay, well, um, my hopes and dreams for this class is to give actors, actresses, another tool in their tool belt to enhance and build up characters, um, to make them you know, just energize those characters, even when they're not speaking um, on and off stage. Uh, I think that's super important for the actor. Um, so, um, and just to point out also, you know, maybe all the things that maybe they are doing that are related to mime that they might not realize is part of mime. Mm. Some mm -hmm. things um, to help them you know, create more energy in those characters or maybe to stylize them more for the stage. Um, and if they have certain characters that they need to build or are interested in building, we can build those up from a mime perspective, um, kind of walk them through how to do that. And then hopefully they'll be able to take what they learned in this course and be able to do it with any character. So that's part of what their assignments are going to be is we're going to create lots of different characters from um, We're going to kind of consider the body to be a blank canvas and we're going to paint on that canvas, so to speak. Um, that's cool. Yeah, down from, you know, feet position, body position, how you're breathing, um, looking at the face, looking at the hands you know, everything, looking at the torso, what's your torso doing, you know, things you might not initially think about when you're building a character, so. Yeah, this is fascinating, and I, I can't wait to see what comes out of the class, and what I'm really excited to see is, is knowing who's signing up for it to see what their performances are like after the class. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's going to be exciting. So we have one more question for you. Uh, it's sure. a question that John likes to ask all of the people who we have guests on, on the podcast. Oh boy, okay. It is, it is immensely important, so pay very close attention. Okay. So I'm gonna expand it slightly because Tim brought up a good point earlier that there's only so many fruits in the world. So if you could pick any fruit-based or vegetable-based superpower, what would it be? Any fruit-based or vegetable-based superpower? Yes. 
like Tim's was, weren't you like a pineapple? Someone was a pineapple because they'd have like the pineapple spikes. Ah, um, okay. I'm, I think I'm tracking with you now. Um, hmm. What fruit? I think. Gosh, this is hard. <laughs> Be a star fruit. Small and <laughs> And really pretty on the inside. Yeah. You cut them open. <laughs> Spiky like, with a heart of gold or maroon. Well, thanks for joining us, Diana. Um, we're really excited about the actors for Mime Course, and we're glad that you were able to join us today and um, look forward to seeing what we can do with, with mime and theater in the future. Thank you so much for taking the time, and yeah, I'm excited too. So we want to thank Diana for joining us on the podcast and talking about her experience uh, with MIME and the upcoming MIME for Actors class. You know, John, I was really fascinated by her talking about how participating in MIME and how that's been a part of her life um, has really impacted um, her view of evangelization and sharing the gospel. Um, by using her art form. So that got me thinking. Now, you're a musician. You're, you're a great violinist. You're an actor. You're a set designer. Um, how has participating in the performing arts, how has that affected your walk with Jesus and your journey um, your spir uh, towards spiritual faith? Definitely, at least with the theater-based ones, it's, it's affected it a lot. Violin, it never did as much because it's a lot more abstract. I think for someone whom violin is their main kind of art form, that would probably affect them a lot more. But violin is less of a meaningful emotional communication for me and more just having fun and challenging myself. It's always a unique experience when you do a show uh, for me at least as a Christian and I think that every show connects to your walk with Christ in some way because I think that and this is going to get into like the philosophy of art but art in general is meant to like portray like reflect humanity and portray truth. And I think that when you're really reflecting truth, you're really reflecting the core of humanity that you can find yourself reflecting God as well, to a degree, especially truth. And I mean, there's different levels to truth as well because you can be portraying something that's evil and true, like me and my family just watched the movie about Ted Bundy starring Zac Efron. And those things are true and part of the human condition, but horrifying, but there's still truth that's in there. Um, and it brings up interesting questions that God can work through. But I'll, I'll also, I think that goes two ways. I think that that can reflect back on yourself to think through, okay, uh, how does this speak to me? How do I relate to the character? Because obviously as, as an actor, you have to think of how you relate to the character or as a set designer, how do I relate to the show? 
and what's important. And it just, it makes you think about life. And I think that's when art is at its most powerful, when it shines a piercing light of truth back at the audience. And when it gets you to think about who you are and who the world is. Cause I've been like laid up for like the last month cause my knee was dislocated. And throughout this, I was like, okay, what do I enjoy about art? What do I appreciate about art? And why do I do art? Obviously, a large portion of that is because it's how God designed me. I think he made me to be an artistic person. So that's just the thing that I do. But I wanted to like try and figure out what is there that's more to it than just it's the thing that I do. And so I like sat down and I was like, okay, so what are like the the most impactful roles and, and characters that I've played and the ones that I have found the most enriching. And I've, I've played several really awesome meaty roles. The three that always stand out most are Jesus, Mr. Banks and Madman. And they're mm -hmm. very different roles. And they do very different things. And I was trying to find what is the common denominator between these roles, because they're not at all the same type. The enriching thing was I got to let out something of myself, but also do that with the truth of God being what led the characterization, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. In, in fact, I, one of the things I love about acting is twofold is, is first of all when you're trying to establish the character find that character how you're going to portray them you have to draw from who you are first mm -hmm. and your own experience your own beliefs your own um, you need to find that connective tissue between who you john wilson are and who mr banks is or who jesus is or who madman is but then there's the flip side of that is that as you start to inhabit that character, that character starts to influence you mm. and who you are. And some of the truths that you discover in the process start affecting you. I think that's what, what you're trying to get at. Mm -hmm. I think so. And that can, that can have positives and it can have negatives. Um, like Jesus had only a positive effect on me as a person. I think that I grew a lot into my faith and who I was through playing that role. Madman was kind of a little bit of both because it made me confront a lot of things that I didn't realize I hadn't confronted all the way, which was good, um, especially because it was coming at it from that, that perspective of Christ. But then it also meant I was jumping back into a lot of the things that I'd struggled with. Um, and so there can be positive uh, aspects to how the art can affect you. And there can also be some areas where you should be cautious into how you approach it. But I think it's almost always a valuable exploration of humanity and truth and God, ultimately. And that's one of the reasons I think art can be so valuable in the church is because art is so human. Art is very human. I don't think mm. it's, I don't think it's absent of the divine at all. Cause I also think it's very divine, but it is very human. And it puts us in a lot of times because there's a lot of playwrights that aren't um, 
Christians or don't believe in the divine or in something else. But in exploring that very true, very human dilemma, and I think that always bringing it back to God and exploring it on a human level, but then also exploring it on a divine level, just it enriches the art, I think. I think it makes the art stronger. And I think you'll find that you yourself grow a lot more because of the art. I think it's very valuable thinking it through both in how human the art is, but how divine the world is and how those things connect. Art is two things. Uh, it's truth, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. but then it's also beauty. And um, I don't necessarily mean aesthetic beauty. Sometimes it's the beauty of the human experience, the beauty of struggle, the beauty of reconciliation. Um, but I think in all true art, there's a combination of truth and beauty in it. Um, sometimes it's nothing more than taking someone who's had uh, a really stressful time and uh, helping them get away from the anxiety of their world for a couple of hours and laughing. Uh, laughter is an amazing healer. Well, as I approach this question, I have to look at it from two ways because kind of like you, I'm a, I'm a dual creative person. I have my, my music side and my uh, actor, writer, director side. And yeah. um, my music is really interesting because it's always been God focused. Mm -hmm. So it's the kind of the opposite of you where mm -hmm. I, I was not, um, I mean, I, I played trombone, was in marching band, was in jazz, played jazz in college. Uh, but the career I've had in music prior to coming to master arts was as a worship leader. Mm -hmm. So for me, that aspect where music for you playing your violin was kind of abstract and not really you know it was more the fun thing to do for me music was always directly both worship to the lord very directly but then also leading and encouraging god's people so music has always been almost this kind of like you and i are talking right now when I did my music, it was me and God. Mm -hmm. Very, very present. Very, very, you know, it was very obvious that I was either communicating to or communicating for God when I did music. Mm -hmm. um, theater has been more abstract, but in many ways, much more led by his spirit. Mm -hmm. One, because I think I needed it, because I didn't necessarily see the direct connection between doing theater and honoring God with my art. But like you, I've also been radically changed by my involvement in theater. So much, so many roles have, as I've given to the role, the role has given back to me almost every role that I've done, big, small, serious, comedic, musical, straight play has, uh, I've always gained something. And I think the biggest way that it's affected my relationship with Jesus is, is I, I realize just the Im immense wonder of the gift that he's given me to do what I do. 
I get so much joy out of it and out of telling stories and seeing people react. And um, I, I'm just immensely always grateful for this tremendous creative gift that, that God has given. But then I always seem to find new ways to offer it back. Even in the midst of this pandemic, you know, we've, we've tried to do some things and I, I find little ways that I can use my creativity to really draw me closer to the Lord in my devotional time, in my creative times. That's become my prayer language. I can definitely relate to that too. I think with singing, especially and music and song and lyrics that other people write have become a way to almost abstract, like express the abstract thoughts that I have about myself and about God that I can't really put into words very well all the time in prayer through those notes and, and lyrics. Well, this is definitely, I think, a topic we're going to have to keep coming back to mm -hmm. uh, because I think there's a lot that we can unpack both between you and I and with some other artists that come mm -hmm. on. But uh, that's it for this week. Thanks to y'all for putting up with us. And for now, that's another episode of Playing for the Master. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tim. I'm John. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Playing for the Master, a co-production of Unmuted Arts and Master Arts Theater, both out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our theme music is Rondo Giocoso, a piece written and performed by Richard Sertia. Our podcast is edited by Tim Van Bruggen. The views expressed by the hosts of this podcast are completely their own and may not reflect those held by the organizations as a whole. If you have any comments or suggestions for topics you'd like to hear discussed, please email them to director at masterarts.org. Thanks for listening.